boy, are we excited about the French Grand Prix. The teams finally agree on the cost cap, rumors swirl about new manufacturers joining the grid, and Sonoda's brain overheats. Let's jump the start. What's up, everybody? Welcome in Jump to Star Racing Podcast. My name is Wellington. I'm here with two of my closest friends. Yancy, hi. Hi. Ruben, ankle bracelet is off. Welcome back. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Ankle bracelet. <laughs> no. I made it back. I made yeah. it. How does it feel? Awesome. No, it's not. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ruben's back from vacation. Just, just Josh in there. Uh, guys, make sure to... What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Just joking. Oh. <laughs> Check us out on social media at Jump to Start F1, Twitter and run. Instagram. Again, at Jump to Start F1. Also, if you're listening on a podcast platform, which if you're listening, you are, make sure to leave us a review. Um, Ruben, how was your time off, man? Too short. Yeah, figured. <laughs> I figured. It's like a running joke that wasn't supposed to be a running joke. Um, it was too short, though. <laughs> Yeah. I'm getting a bigger laugh out of this because I haven't heard it in such a long time. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the uh, Austrian Grand Prix? Uh, I like the race. Maybe because I'm used to always seeing it in English. Watching it in Spanish wasn't that exciting to me. I was waiting for Crafty to, you know, to, oh, my God. Blah, 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 you know? Yeah. The Spanish, uh, like, telecast I was watching, I didn't, wasn't up to my normal standards. But it was good. There was, was a lot good going race. on, too, during the yeah. race, too. It was a good race. It was a very good race. Ferrari won. Oh. All right, so (laughs) on today's episode, we'll be talking a bunch of news, including more on porpoising, the cost cap, team and engine partnerships going as we hurdle to the uh, new regulations. Uh, We'll also be doing in our F1 feelings, as we do every off week, we'll call it. And then we'll be previewing the French Grand Prix, including trivia, history, and our predictions to start, let's jump into the news. Uh, porpoising. FIA not backing down on the F1 flexi floor porpoising clamp down. So we had seen porpoising. It kind of calmed down as we predicted because now we're in actual tracks, not on street street circuits. Um, we're not seeing as much bouncing up and down from the cars. Uh, the drivers aren't complaining about it as much. So now teams kind of want to back off because if I'm a team, I've already invested so much money into the concept of my car. However, the FIA is saying absolutely not. We still have a bunch of races coming up that are going to be affected. So like they expect Hungary, Spa, and Singapore to have problems. What do you guys think? As far as we're still, I can't believe we're still dealing with this, to be honest. I thought teams would have fixed this by now. I think it's exasperated by what we talked about last week with uh, with some teams. Again, we don't know. The rumors are that it's Ferrari and Red Bull. Um, have a flex, a flexible plank on the bottom of the car where the back half of it is more flexible than the front half because it wasn't stipulated in the rules that the entire plank should be able to move, you know, um, you know, up and down. So I think that that's what it is. 
Um, obviously, you have some teams that are pushing for these clampdowns so they can get closer to the top. At the end of the day, it's all political. It's the usual F1. It's part of aerodynamics, too. To play with the flags and all the other stuff. Because aerodynamics has to play somehow to be able to take effect. Absolutely. But, I mean, they also have to limit it. But whatever. If you don't specify it, I can get away with it. Yeah, Why not? The spirit of the rules. Yeah, just stretch it out. The spirit of the rules should be, if you find the loophole, exploit ding, 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 it. Ding, ding. So, the FIA plans to introduce an aerodynamic oscillation metric from the Belgian Grand Prix that teams will not be allowed to exceed, meaning that... Why are you laughing at me? No, I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing at Ruben Ruben's when you reaction? said oscillation. Oscillation. He gets turned on by that you one, know? by the way. Wow. Oscillation, moving up and down, side to side. Right, so they'll, they'll be uh, restricted... <laughs> And, and now he's mad. <laughs> no, he's like, what am I doing? What are we doing here? No, no. I just, you know, that face that I'm making right now is how much I miss Ruben. <laughs> so we were talking about oscillation. I'm a lonely guy, so oscillation, you know. <laughs> uh, up, down, he, he, he up, up. Of, yes. He thinks of shake weights when it comes to oscillation. <laughs> Or other vibrating objects. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> oh really my going God. down this road. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, so they want to introduce some type of metric in which the teams cannot exceed, uh, basically, I'm going to use the term again so that Ruben can laugh, the vibration going past a specific parameter. Uh, that's, I guess, part one. And they'll also mandate... Stiffening of the skid blocks in the flank of cars after it emerged, teams had cleverly made them movable to avoid being worn away. So where the car, I guess, impacts with the road, just make sure that you put input the uh, skid blocks, basically creating the sparks so that mm-hmm. it doesn't wear, off the flo- wear out the floor. Those are the two mandates that are coming. Teams have already complained. They want to raise the, I guess, the metric to allow for more oscillation, to allow for more flexibility. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, it's a negotiation at the end of the day between the teams, the powerful teams, and the FIA to see where they ultimately end up. The, the thing is that this is all based on the grounds of quote-unquote safety. And... Honestly, there have been drivers that were complaining, but the two most vocal drivers that have been complaining about the purposing and the the issue of safety have been the two Mercedes drivers, meaning George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. So it just makes it seem to me, if you cut through all the ish, is that Mercedes is getting their way when they completely got it wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's frustrating. At the end of the day, figure it out. Most teams have, um, you know, and if you if it if it comes to a track where it's uncontrollable, then you're just at a disadvantage, just like the same way a team would be at a disadvantage if they're faster through a corner, on a on a low speed track, and then on a high speed track. It's just you know, that that's what it is. I mean, just figure it out. But 
whatever. I think it's, it's has to do also because it's the first year of the regulations, and when you do get it wrong, as far as how far back Mercedes got it wrong, it's going to take them even more time. So they were to get away for them to flex some of the regulations to go that their way, so they don't purpose that much. You know, they, they put their way. You know, at the end of the day, they, they get a super wrong. If they got a super wrong. If they feel that the floor is flexing, then build the build the floor that's flexing, or the plank that's flexing. That's it. I mean, but that's what because that's what the other teams had to do. That's only taking half a year. But 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 that, it is oh, well, what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. It's just, it's just like when they introduced the hybrid engines. Exactly. The first two or three years, Mercedes was dominating, and honestly, I don't even some some teams probably haven't caught up to them. Or they haven't even come close to the Mercedes engine. So, again, figure it out. This that's, is what F1 of, is all about. Yeah, that's part of like what the regulations are set for and just pretty much work your way up to, to maximizing it. I don't know. To me, it's about, I'm going to take a complete opposite approach. I'm going to say that they should introduce some kind of regulations. And I think that it would it would only benefit to make the show better, which I think is what a big part of what Liberty Media wants f- through the FIA and FOM to to happen. So uh, if you if you bring if you make Mercedes more competitive, all of a sudden now you have a top three instead of a top two. And based on the way that it's been going this season, it, it's almost like it's a clear one, a clear two, and then like a clear three and a clear rest of the field. So it just kind of sucks as a fan to watch it where it's like you ex- you almost know where the outcome is going to be you know in terms of where they're going to place except for what the tires are going to do and what um what like engine failures and stuff like that so i don't know i'd rather i'd rather bring the pack even closer together you want less variables which you know i want i want less less for a team to be able to get wrong mhm and and bring the pack closer. I guess yeah. Less, yeah, less variables. Um, you make a good point because at the end of the day, what we were complaining for the past few years has been is that you know Mercedes is way ahead mm-hmm. and nobody can get close to them, and the only team that could even get close to them and actually beat them in the drivers' championship mm-hmm. has been Red Bull, and that was last year. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, much like what they say about spec series, meaning like an Indy car, um where the cars are most closely matched and it depends on setup and the track that you're at. Yeah, you what you said, I, it, it does bode well for better racing and at the end of the day, that's what we want. So, I mean, I guess you can look at it that I'm way. just really afraid that, like, come next year, Red Bull is going to be that much. It's going to be like the situation with Mercedes where they're just going to take another, even if it's a half step, it'll be a half step more off of, based off of a very strong platform and then only Ferrari has a chance to catch them, and then if they mess up, like we're just in for another couple of years of like one team dominating, and I don't want that. Yeah, but it's and the, but it'll be based on, I think it'll be based on something more controllable. It, obviously, the engines are are frozen, so it'll be what they are now. It's going to be an aerodynamic battle at this point instead of an engine battle. Um, so teams do have a better chance to catch up, but since I mean, Red Bull. With Adrian Newey. My boy. Um, they have a strong advantage in that area. Um, so, yeah, they could go away, uh, away with it, but Ferrari's also shown that they're 
Ferrari's speed is not just based on their engine this season. It's based on their aerodynamics as well. Oh, okay. So, you know, they have a strong chance. And we know that Mercedes is very strong aerodynamics, not far. So, again, you... I. If it's based on aerodynamics, I think you might have a better chance of teams actually catching up to the front runner than based on an engine. I, I think that, like, uh, Ruben, I'm sorry. I'll no, 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 no. I think that, like, it's not just based on aerodynamics. Because, like, you also know that, like, Red Bull has a strong chassis as well. Same with Ferrari. And that's kind of where I think the Ferrari has the advantage there. And I feel like that's where combining their strong engine now, mm-hmm. Ferrari, and their strong chassis, it's been helping them with these slower corners and just these tight circuits to be able to to get an advantage yeah i mean you, you did i remember you said on the which i think was not going to happen that you mentioned the ferrari was going to win in, in the in austria i didn't think it was going to happen because it's rebels track no and they dominated it so, it was a per well whatever no but you know me being that it's rebels track and they do have a strong car it was almost going to be impossible. Well, Max has won four times there. in a row. I know, yeah. but they were at their home race, meaning the home, the home yeah, team's yeah, race. Yeah. I was like, mm, it's going to be tough for Ryan to win here, whatever. But again, it's just all of these things have to be worked out. In. It's one of those about Austria. It's one of those tracks where it's nice if you have high speed, right? Because that makes up a lot of mistakes. But it's about carrying the speed through all those corners and just and a that's constant a Ferrari car. flow throughout the whole track. And that's been. Where Red Bull wasn't strong before with their engine against Mercedes, they would win there because they could do that, and like that's what happened with Ferrari here. It's, it's almost like a, it's almost like dancing there. Anyway, as far as keeping the, the group close together, cost cap, according to Gunther Steiner, cost cap is the key to F1 2022's close racing. We've seen a lot of a lot of shenanigans as far as just everybody staying together. Uh, we saw it in Austria. We saw great racing in Austria. We saw great racing in Silverstone. Especially Haas. Yeah. And Haas, who hasn't brought an update? Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> you see, I, see, I saw the race. And it's something that, uh, what's his name? In Spanish. Though. In Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Vasseur also said the same thing with the Alfa Romeo, that it's one of those things that by keeping the cost cap low yeah okay it's the barrier of entry is cheap but at least you let these smaller teams compete instead of letting the bigger teams run away with it i'm par- obviously paraphrasing freddie yeah, over there i mean i think we're beating a dead horse and and saying that this is better for the sport long term um yeah I, yes if the teams if the bigger teams can't spend more money then it's going to keep the field closer and that's what we want but it'll also keep these teams valuable which is what Formula One wants as well. And you're not, I mean, in reading that article a few years back, what Fred Vassour was saying is that you had... Freddie. Freddie Vassour, sorry. <laughs> My boy Fred. That's the Alpha guy, right? Yeah. Alpha Romeo. Romeo. Yeah. Not not, 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 Tyree, not yeah. Frankie. Frankie Tossed. From, <laughs> <laughs> from okay. okay. Alpha Tari. Yeah. <laughs> so what Freddie was saying... Mm-hmm. Our boy. Our boy, Freddie, yeah. What he was saying is that a few years ago, you had two or three teams, including Alfa Romeo, yeah. were on the brink of just dropping out of a right. because they just couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford the finals. And now they can. But we saw that with Williams, and we saw that with with Haas as well. Yeah. Um, which is why Haas went on, you know, the last season, last two seasons, 
were just straight up horrible. They just couldn't spend the money. And now they're being even more. Well, they didn't have it. Well, that's well. And then they went through the, the whole debacle of rich energy and, and, blah, and, blah, 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 blah. and yeah, your, your alkali, whatever. So, but again, this cost cap doesn't, what you were saying earlier, it doesn't let these teams just run away with it. It keeps these teams valuable. It keeps these teams competitive. And that's why we can get racing like we got in Austria, where you have a ton of battles in the midfield, where you're not just focusing on the front. So you have a battle in the front, you have a battle in the midfield. It's good racing, baby. That's what we want to see. Yeah, the battle in the midfield was crazy. Yeah. Would it be far-fetched for me to say that it's possible that the ninth place team finishes sixth? Is it far-fetched for me to say Aston Martin, who's at 18, Alfa Romeo, who's at 51 points? Is it possible? Is it far-fetched for me to say that Aston Martin could catch up to them? No, right? No, no, because no. how how much parity there is within the midfield. Yeah, mm-hmm. Because honestly, if you look at the teams above them, Alfa Torre Haas and Alfa Romeo are very closely matched. Yeah. And it's all a matter of who can get points on a certain weekend. Who's more reliable? And that's what we want to determine the race. Or even the drivers have something have a say in it. So let's approach this from a different tack. So Freddie, he said, this is the quote from Freddie. At the end of the day, I think as F1, we were quite close to the to the deep shit two or three years ago. We were really on edge to lose three teams. Right? So let's approach this from the opposite side. Do we see F1 potentially adding teams to the grid and not taking any away? Yeah. Why not? Is I think the cost cap That's has That's not an answer. That's a question. <laughs> I'm not saying why not. I'm saying because the cost cap has I, made it attractive. I only say that to Ruben because we talked about exactly that before <laughs> before we started recording. <laughs> why not? <laughs> no, it's just the cost cap has made it more you know, makes it attractive because now a team come on man, Red Bull and Mercedes were, were spending Three hundred and twenty-five million extra than what they're spending now because the cost cap is one hundred and fifty million. Mm-hmm. Holy crap! You could put two teams right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so even even gives those teams space to even branch out. To, obviously, Redbone uh, has Alpha Tower or whatever, but who knows? Mercedes could branch out, or maybe you know more attractive for Audi to come by themselves. It's just getting over the hump of the the two hundred million thing. This is why I love you, Ruben, because that's the next topic. Oh, I, thank I, you. I like how I like how you're thinking. So. Great foresight there. Team engines and their partnerships for the new regulations, right? So we just talked about how potentially could add some new teams. It'll be cheap to do so. Honda not closing door on F1 return as they watch 2026 engine discussions. So what does that mean, right? They've already parted ways with Red Bull. Red Bull, we'll talk about in a few, is trying to partner up with another engine manufacturer. Honda has all this knowledge. Could we see a works Honda team? Why not? Could we see a... <laughs> wow. Thank you, Yasha. Thank you. <laughs> I just played myself. Congratulations. <laughs> he took the words out of my mouth, though. <laughs> I'm going to have to separate you guys. You guys are going to start coming on alternate weeks. <laughs> <sighs> or do we see a Honda Andretti partnership? Oh, that would be dope. Yeah, though. Listen, they're they're paired up in they're the already, car. Exactly right. You know why not? I see that. I I'm, see I'm that. Trying to start a rumor here. No, but I see that happening more <laughs> than start just. A rumor. I see that happening more than just Honda by themselves. Of course, 
because Fajanda by themselves did not work in the past that well. So, but not coming with a partner that they already know from another series, hmm, you might be onto something. The reason was. why Alonso didn't drive for Andretti in the Indy 500 was because, because of Honda. Honda. That's how mm-hmm. bad Alonso lived. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad taste. And Honda's GP2. You know, <laughs> Honda's. Listen, Honda has a big presence in racing in the US with IndyCar and IMSA. If they can and MotoGP, granted not in the U.S. Yeah, but if as far as vehicles or cars are concerned, if they can get into F1, I mean they have gotten into F1, but if they have a bigger role, that just bodes well for them overall in the global market. It, plus, then they know that they're not getting into this black hole of spending, like so they can be competitive, which is why, yeah, we see other manufacturers. Um, the two manufacturers that have been rumored to come into F1, Audi and Porsche, interested all of a sudden because they're not going to get into the spending war with other manufacturers. Like past, yeah. yeah, and it bodes well for their marketing. Can you imagine? So their first place, Honda Red Bull winning the Constructors' Championship. Why would Honda then just be like, oh, damn, you know what? Let's just Let's just get out and stay out. Like, why Why wouldn't you just stick around? I don't know. I don't know why they left in the first place, but... Yeah. Hey. What well, they have? Uh, six, seven, eight years of struggling. Man, the first three were horrible years for Honda. Just throwing... It was just a money pit. And Honda has shown that they can win in the, at this and level the, various times, man. So. They, so when they came in and they were struggling... Granted, Fernando Alonso is a talent, but at the time he was distracted by other things, right? He had just he, he did not unretire. He did not retire and then unretire. I'm trying to get my timeline right. Did he retire and come back to McLaren? No. No, he, he just he went from Ferrari, Ferrari to McLaren, to McLaren okay. and then he retired and came back with Renault. Okay. So they had the dynamic duo of Fernando Alonso and Stoffel Van Dorn. Fernando Alonso. Great parent. Yes. So, my, my point being that now that they're on a premier team, Honda, with a premier driver, Max Verstappen, now, because even though he's not past his prime, Fernando Alonso, you could say he's past his prime, right? I don't know. He I ain't think driving that, like it, I'll tell you that much. That's yeah, true. I you know, I just feel like there's a lot, there's still a lot of potential within Honda, obviously, as we've been talking about. But and, and one thing I just want to point out, especially with McLaren, I think over time that partnership really didn't work out, wasn't because of Honda. It no. was probably more McLaren. Mm-hmm. Your boy. Because obviously, because obviously we've seen the dysfunction at McLaren right after that partnership broke up and how Zach Brown and Andrea Seidel have turned the team around to yeah. become the team that they have was because it was dysfunctional. And the reason why that that pairing didn't work was probably more because McLaren was very quick to point the finger at Honda because that engine didn't work. But once they broke up, we saw that that chassis wasn't that good either. So, just want to put that out there. Good point, Anthony. So, again, cost cap, keeping things cheap, making things cheaper in the future by getting rid of the MGUH. Mm-hmm. Right? Porsche, 
the long, long rumored partnership with Red Bull. It was very heavily rumored to be formally announced, you know, after the 2026 engine regulations were ratified. They were supposed to be ratified after the British Grand Prix. They were not. So as a result, they'll be ratified, but most likely at the next what I forget what it's called. World Drivers Motors World Motorsport. World whatever. Motorsport Council. Council. Yeah. World Motorsport Council meeting in October. But the heavy rumor is that Porsche and Rebel will be partnering up going forward after Honda pulls officially pulls out. Potential for another team? Or is Porsche and Red Bull is just gonna Well, what are the ramifications for Red Bull and Porsche? What you said? What are the ramifications for Red Bull and Porsche? Like, does Red Bull continue its winning ways with another separate engine manufacturer? Now that they have the IP and they have all the knowledge for what it takes to build a winning F1 engine, what what does Porsche bring to the table? Um, and can they continue their winning ways? One thing I've always said since these rumors started years ago, I was always excited to have Porsche in F1 because Porsche, any category that they come into either win or are very competitive. And at the end of the day, that's what we want. They're a very good racing team. They dominated in endurance racing, uh, most more specifically in WEC, um, with the hybrid engines. They have the knowledge. They have, the, and now they'll they'll have the IP of Honda because that was already bought by Red Bull. Mm-hmm. I think will they be competitive right off the bat? No, we've. I don't think any team coming into F one will be competitive right off the back. But does it have potential two, three, four years down the line? Absolutely. I disagree. They're not I a new team coming you. into yeah. F1. They're joining what is right now the Constructors' Champion. Driver's Champion. Driver's Champion. Well, meaning that they're leading the Constructors. In this season, yes, they're yes. leading okay. the Constructors. Yeah. Are they really going to change that much? Like, no. are they, they wouldn't do anything that, if it shows negative... The engines are homologated. They can't really change much until 2026. What you have to remember is that this year in particular, Red Bull's strength is not necessarily their chassis or their aerodynamics. It's their straight line speed because of their engine. Mm-hmm. You change that, and if it's not as good as the Honda, you know, things change a little bit. Ferrari's close behind. Mercedes looks like it's gaining ground. So, I mean, and I'm pretty sure you're going to have other teams, you know, vying for that top spot. Obviously, it's F1. So, like I said, if listen, if they are competitive right off the bat, that's good for the sport. I'd love to see it. But we've seen it with, with Honda coming in. They weren't, they're competitive now. They won a championship. They have race wins, but it took them a while to get there. And it took them to find the right partner to do it. I think, but the partnership with Rebel is probably the best partnership you could have. 
but you want him to go to like a smaller team right away, and that's pretty much where they'll show struggle. No, but coming at Red Bull with the with the you know the knowledge that Red Bull has, the demands that they they do have already, I think I, I don't I don't if they struggle, it's not going to be for long, as you said. Though. Yeah, but I don't see them turning around in the season. But can they? Yes. And if 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 any team if it's any team that they would want to join, it would be Red Bull because Red Bull has shown that they can make those partnership work. One of the things... Either it goes very well yeah, or it very totally well. sucks. And But that's the whole thing. You know, it's it's known that in F1, working with Honda is great because Honda, they work hard and they get it right. But just to, to get that relationship where it should be, you have to acclimate to their culture, to the Japanese culture. And, and Red Bull has done that very well and they've worked well together. Um, McLaren did it. Yeah. So. Right. So that's that's part of what I'm saying. It's mm-hmm. it took Honda joining Red Bull and AlphaTauri to become successful mm-hmm. in F1. It's not. It wasn't the reverse that Honda joined Red Bull and all of a sudden they started winning. Mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be the same thing with with Porsche in that Red Bull is bringing the knowledge of a winning car. What about this? What about like? I think that this is. I think that Porsche needs to do something like this. Because I'm going to explain, because of the the rapidly growing market share that F1 is gaining, there's so many people now that message me, oh, you know, I started watching, uh, you guys never put me on, I hate you guys for this, I'm like, yo, what the? <laughs> no, but like, how often do you hear Ferrari, Lamborghini, even Aston Martin, who they've made a comeback in recent years? You don't really hear Porsche in that same breath, right? Yeah. You want to, if you're a premier, premium, not even luxury car maker, you're a a strong engine maker. The, the way that a Porsche car is, we know it to be like a very good, reliable, top-tier performance car, yeah. right? Your name isn't out there the way that those other, even Mercedes, obviously, is more known now for that, whereas Porsche maybe back in the 80s and the mm-hmm. 90s, was a bigger name there, but now it's not maybe not a bigger name, but you want to start trying to eat eat up some of that market. Yeah, when you want to buy a car, you're looking to buy a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. If I mean, you're, you're talking like about that. a high-end car. Right. And if you want to take it to the track. Porsche has some of that market share, but I think they need more. I think you're right on that one. Right. And now people are looking. They're not even looking. If you're, if you're looking at above a Mercedes, what are you looking at? You're looking at, I'm gonna say this. Don't don't kill me, guys. You're looking at like a a Tesla uh, S, like a Roadster or the Plaid or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're you're looking at yeah. You're looking at a higher end oh, Maserati. Electric, yeah. Oh, an electric. Okay, okay. You're looking at a higher end Maserati. You're looking at a Lamborghini Urus now. You're looking at like that type of stuff rather than like oh shit, a fucking Porsche. You know, I don't know. Yeah, no, but you have a point <coughs> there. You have a point. There's more. There's definitely more players in that field as far as competition for Porsche because mm-hmm. Porsche was. You mentioned a couple of SUVs. They were the ones to f- officially first do the first. The Cayenne. Yeah, the Cayenne. And then when you do look at the high-end market, you, you say Ferrari, Lamborghini, Porsche not far from there. But now Porsche comes into for- Formula One and it starts to beat Ferrari in Formula One. Now their brand also because they do make high-end cars. Well, not only are you beating for- Ferrari, you're beating Ferrari, Mercedes. But we mentioned Ferrari. Ferrari is the one pretty much. Well, thank you. you know, the sea of red. <laughs> so, but... But now people are going to say, hey, Porsche just came in and it's killing Ferrari. What? What do you mean? 
No. Maybe I should look at 911 again. There you go. So lastly, Alfa Romeo not blind to Audi's interest in Sauber F1 team. That is the other rumor that Audi would just want to outright buy the uh, Sauber team, which we lovingly refer to as Alfa Romeo with our guy, Freddie, uh, running the <laughs> ship over there. <laughs> it's just one of those things, right? Just the, uh, the what is it, the VW Auto Group yep. is just looking to jump into Formula One. And these are their two brands that are looking to make the the push forward. The yeah. two competitive brands that they own. Yeah. Because they both, Audi also, in WEC and stuff like that, also did very well. Le Mans, all that stuff. The thing is that I don't... What? To buy... Team, there have been bids to buy Sauber, and it just hasn't worked out. By who? So, Andretti. Andretti wanted it. Mm-hmm. But they wanted... A, Andretti wanted full control of the team. Sauber wanted some control in the mm-hmm. team, and then so that's not buying it. That, that's the whole point. So I don't, I don't know what deal they're making. I don't know what kind of money they're offering. But. Yeah, oh, what Sauber wants. Mm-hmm. So maybe may not be complete hundred percent out. That's pretty much what they want yeah. a partnership with somebody. And I'm pretty sure that Alfa Romeo are not not keen on giving up commercial rights, especially in F1 when they're trying to grow their market as well. Ooh, we got a new battle going. The money battle. How how important has it been to drive to survive and F one like just growing as much as it has? Absolutely. Listen, past few years, few years going back, you would have never even dreamt of anybody buying an Alfa Romeo here in the U S. And now you see them all, all over, Every, all over the place. And that started since Alfa Romeo joined F one. Yeah. And then about. I'm not saying that that's the reason, mm-hmm. but about that. But now that you have that exposure in Drive to Survive as well, which has yep. blown up here in the States, Bro. so it only it's only gotten better for them here. On my flight to the Dominican Republic, there was at least six people wearing Mercedes hats <laughs> or Formula One hats. <laughs> On my flight back, there was at least four people as well. And I, obviously, I look at it because I most, I most of the hats I have. So if I see somebody, I'll tell them, right yo, where'd you get the hat, man? He looks at me like, what do you mean? And then he sees that I have the Miami hat. Oh, I know. I know where you get that hat. Mm-hmm. So, then, you know, talking points too with people with strangers. Because in the past, I wouldn't say nothing to anyone. Right. I, I think we're ignoring it's, the real reason. one made you a more social person. Yes, he did. More yeah. social? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we're ignoring the real reason Alpha Romeo has been blowing up here in the States. And you He's guys what? you guys already know. Valtteri Buttas. <laughs> Okay. The more pictures. The arse. The more the pictures arse. of the arse keep coming out. Wow. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Kimmy or something. Anyway, so I'm being yeah. silly. That's Let's jump into a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a model car. <laughs> a little bit of silly season talk. I'm fast enough for F1, says Colton Herta. After special, McLaren test at Portimao. Portimao. He... Tested the 2021 spec McLaren MCL 35M. After calling F1 a serious ambition, the American driver was being touted by some as a potential McLaren driver of the future. Yes, should we put this one in our pocket for in our feelings? Yes. Okay. We should. Okay. Aston Martin boss, Mr. Mike Crack. Mike Crack. <laughs> Confident. Confident that Vettel will stay beyond 2022 to reap rewards of hard work. So Vettel has been killing it this year. Yeah. 
as best he can within the um, the confines of the Aston Martin team. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be going anywhere. We all thought he was going to retire. He likes to drive, man. He's he lo- he lives, eats, and breathes F one. Um, obviously, he started off the year with COVID. Couldn't race. I think it was the first two races, two races of the season. Took him two races to obviously get used to everything, which is normal for any driver. Um, On a new car. In a new car. Well, I mean, yeah, in a, in a brand new car, meaning the 2022 car. But Seb is Seb. He's a four-time world champion for a reason. And yeah, maybe his best years are behind him, but he's still a formidable driver, much like Kimi Raikkonen was at the end of his career. He's better, I think, than yeah, I, I, Yeah, but I mean, I'm just trying to give an example of somebody who can still, you know, get results in a midfield team. Um, but I think that if you give Seb a competitive car, he'll give you the results. And he brings a lot more to the team. He brings leadership. We always rave how he's his own engineer and how he he's his own strategist. And he's an expector as well. The guy knows what he is doing in every aspect of the sport. He's just... He's not just a driver. Um, and he still loves it. So, good for him. I think one of the reasons why Aston Martin is at the level they are right now is because of all the inputs that better brought to the team. I imagine if that knowledge that better you know, brought to the team, where would they be? And they're all the way at the bottom. Right? So, I think better should stay for the better after Martin and because he loves racing he just I think he hates to be at the bottom he just hates to lose who doesn't though and I think that they're still in within shot I mean we have to make up I mean for that battle for 7th 7th place or even you know they can still fight off Atari's in the house Vettel 15 points Lance roll 3 there you go yeah that's by the way in the construction that's been my surprise team AlphaTauri be doing so bad. I thought they would Aston be Martin? I mean AlphaTauri, I'm sorry. AlphaTauri doing so bad. I uh, thought they'll be doing better. Frankie tossed. Frankie tossed. Frankie. <laughs> Frank the tank. Let's go. Frank the tank. <laughs> All right. So from there we're gonna jump into in our F1 feelings. Our first topic, and this is all, as you guys already know, all feelings, no facts here. Yuki Sonoda hopes new psychologist helps with overheating brain in F1. They need to put side pods on them. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, re- yeah. brain. I'm really happy. I was really happy working with him. And also, he was part of the reason I was able to step up to Formula One. He should be able to help me to develop my performance from Formula Two consistency. I will say that Red Bull hired a new psychologist trainer uh, from, I will say, four races before. But yeah, I think definitely one of the limitations is that I start to get quite overheated. Overheated, especially my brain in the car. F1 drivers have been more open about their work with sports psychologists in recent years, including Lando Norris, George Russell, and reigning MotoGP world champ Fabio Quartararo. Quantaro. Quantaro. Yeah, Quantaro, I think it is. I don't know. Exactly. Not a big uh, MotoGP fan. Shout out to Steven. Yep. <laughs> What do you think, Ruben? Uh, Sonora, Sonora, Sonora. He definitely needs somebody to calm him down a little bit. 
I, I don't think he has an anger management issue, but his outburst on the radio show otherwise. Like he's I think he's just a little bit of a, of a rebel. What is what is the college going to do? Uh, you know, if somebody shows you who they are, <laughs> <laughs> then that is what they are. Okay. Okay. So if it's chicken, it's chicken. <laughs> he clearly has an anger management issue, and and he definitely crashed out enough races to warrant action by Red Bull, so he doesn't go off the deep end. There's a reason why they're hiring a psychologist. No, yeah, but they they definitely do need that. I think a guy from the past that I think had psychology help as well was Grosjean, I think. Yep, he mentioned that. So, if he's going to make him better, bring him on. Because Sonora right now needs help in whatever whatever little help can bring. He needs it. You think it'll help him? He needs to, obviously, as as a new driver into F1, I believe he needs, which is pretty much what I would call you know, to mature, but part of the material was helping you get over those humps of things that you that are in your way. So a psychologist will probably help him on that. And this is coming from me that I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> he's not, he's not punching anybody out. <laughs> so that's why anger issues will come to me. That's what I would put into anger issues. <laughs> well, um, I think it, Multiple prongs here, right? So, number one, uh, look at the program he's in. He's in AlphaTauri, the Red Bull program. We've seen it chew up and spit out talented drivers. Why? Because they were stuck in their head. They were, they were themselves overheating and not able to develop their racecraft or utilize the racecraft that they know that they have because they're talented individuals and they were not able to execute. So I'm talking about the likes of uh, Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon, two guys still on the grid, two guys that are the best drivers on their team. One is the teammate to Yuki Tsunoda. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who we all recognize, like, for example, Pierre Gasly, we all recognize like he is just a great talent and that he probably should be on a better team. But what happens when you have somebody as overbearing as we have seen Helmut Marko be, when you have somebody that it seems like, Christian Horder is the lighter side to Helmut Marko, but he's probably extremely overbearing as well. You start to second guess, even though you have natural talent and ability, you start to second guess yourself to the point that it gets in the way of that natural talent and ability. So working with a psychologist, kind of working through, I don't even know if it's like a special, oh, it's a sports psychologist. So Mm -hmm. even better, it helps you pull out of that mind frame that you can't just be yourself because when you're talented you have to be yourself and a lot of times you see some of these angry outbursts where the the driver or player or whoever is frustrated but it's because they're messed up and they're not living up to the standard that not only they expect for themselves but then also they expect like helmet marco would have for them so i feel like it's something that is beneficial for somebody especially as young as yuki sonoda in that very uh competitive red bull program i think it's normal sometimes especially when you're in a competitive environment to be angry um but you can use that anger um to elevate yourself to be better or that anger 
can turn you or can turn your performance as an athlete into shit, really. Um, one example that I use, and I remember seeing uh, oh, the Last Dance documentary, Michael Jordan, probably one of like the most competitive um, athletes in the world or in the history of sports, where he used to look for any fodder that would anger him to use against an opponent. And he would get so he would get angry, but then he would use that as fuel. As fuel to become a better competitor, to win. Um I think that that's what Yuki Sonora has to do. The anger is not bad. It's just using that anger to make your performance better. Yeah. And maybe that psychologist will help him do that. Because obviously you have to have the energy. You have to have that drive. And you have to have an edge against your opponents. Um, if you're too nice, obviously, you're not going to win anything. And we know that, being being in competitive environments. So, But you have to take that energy from that anger, turn it into something positive where it'll elevate your performance where he's not going out of control. Because we know that once we get angry, we lose control. And if you're in an F1 car, losing control is just going to get you kicked out of the sport. That's my view on it. Okay. Any other thoughts on uh, Yuki? Good, better Yuki. Everybody says he's super talented. He is quick. When he's shown that... You know, he's shown spurts of quickness. He's shown spurts that he can keep up with Pierre Gasly. He's shown that he can get points for the team and fight in the midfield. But when he gets angry... He has to keep it together. He has to keep it together. He either crashes out, hits another car. It's just, it's not a good thing. You you gotta, you know, you gotta... gotta, Mentally, you gotta get in there. Hitting your team Mm -hmm. and spinning out. Yeah. Daniel... "Quote unquote," Snoopy Ricardo. <laughs> Thank you, Hector. <laughs> Ricardo isn't walking away from McLaren. Why would he? Right? Uh, he's making fifteen million dollars per season, and he's been very inconsistent in twenty twenty two. McLaren still actually remains the team best pl- best place to join the elite in the coming years. So, you know, they have a Mercedes engine, what some would say the strongest engine, right? They have a great car around it, or had a great car around it last year. Uh, McLaren's diversification into IndyCar and Formula E has inevitably led to suggestions that they might find him a soft landing spot in either of these categories if Ricardo was forced out. So we talked about Colton Herta testing F1. McLaren, he's in the McLaren stable. Drove the McLaren, the 2021 McLaren in Portimao to test. Uh, he feels good. He feels he's fast. Could this be the replacement for Daniel Ricardo? Mm. He better wake up, though. Is Paddle Award? Paddle Award is what I had in mind, by the way, when you were talking. Is he being? Is Ricardo being replaced? McLaren just signed also Alex Pelot, the reigning IndyCar champion. Wow. Is Ricardo's career over? Yes. <laughs> I think he's done after this year. Wow. He's going to become an influencer. What happened to him, man? What's, why he can't use it's a, just, this car? 
he's um he's not up to par, man. I think he's distracted to me. By what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't follow Daniel Ricardo that closely, but mm-hmm. I I don't think that he is as focused as he has been in the past. And I think I think what really focused him was being in you, you see Danny Ricardo, he's he's like a fucking surfer dude. He's just a fuck he's what he's we call Pirulato. He's an airhead, right? Yeah. A little yeah. bit of a ditz. Yeah. I think that he needs the type of structure that the Red Bull organization provided him. Mm. And like the more he gets away from it, the more that I think that. All of a sudden, like he's not <clears throat> granted, he did podium in the uh Renault, mm-hmm. you know, getting uh Cyril Biddable his tattoo. And McLaren. And in McLaren, right? He won for McLaren. Yeah. Nice. Um, but I, I just I just don't he's gotta be checked in and dialed in and then other stuff has to happen around him. So you need both of those variables to happen. Whereas in Red Bull, he was checked in and dialed in. And then when stuff happened, he was there. Now he, stuff can happen ahead of him and he's just not capitalizing. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have that killer instinct, that honey badger instinct. Right. That he's known for. Was. Or was known for. And he's getting beat by his teammate week in and week out. He has, I don't, he's just, I think the only reason he may have beaten Lando may be like a DNF or something. But he's clearly faster, slower than slower than Lando Norris. He's supposed to be supposed to be, quote unquote, the better driver. He was supposed to be the team leader. And he's done none of it. And it seems like he's getting worse and worse. Um, and then yeah, he'll put in the odd good result, top ten finish, but it's still behind Lando, and it's still not what you expect of a driver that is rumored to be getting $15 million a year. Something something is along the way is like killing his module, killing his energy on this. On this. And I think it's that. His, his head is not in the game. Or it might be not an anger issue, but he might need help adapting to what the hell is going on I to get his mind right again, you know, onto the game. But... He's not. He's not driving like the Daniel Ricardo from the past. If you're a top tier driver, you're supposed to go into any team and be and maximize the car. And maximize maximize the, car. the car. We've seen that with Alonso. Seen with Carlos Sainz. Seen that with Sainz, <laughs> but he's not faster than Leclerc. Um, I'm not saying that, but he's maximized the car. Oh yeah, yes. for sure. We've seen it in a couple of teams. But again, if you're that yeah. level of a driver, you're not supposed to be where you're at. He's a at this point every weekend he's like an afterthought, and the only reason he's a thought is because he's he McLaren. was who he was, and now he is who he is, which is less than what he was. No, he's the afterthought because of the, the car he's in, and McLaren out of the top ten. Meanwhile, Norris in the top ten, so uh, that's the you know, and then qualifying is horrible too. So, I mean, d- do you see McLaren placing him? In another program instead of F1? That's for $15 million a year. I mean, you're going to keep him there performing where he's performing at now when you can get in another driver who's more hungry? and who, 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 I think he's perfect for IndyCar because his name value would help IndyCar. Mm-hmm. And then they would help. it would help McLaren in IndyCar. And I think maybe it'll be competitive in IndyCar, but what a step down that would be. Lando Norris, 64 points. Daniel Ricciardo, how much? Guess. 
No, guess. 12. 13. 17. So, but the fact that you guys even guess that, it's embarrassing. <laughs> no, we didn't even go above 20. Yeah, correct. <laughs> correct. Not even a third of what Lando has scored. Embarrassing. He yeah. better watch out. He might be pushed out, yeah. How, how long can McLaren keep up with it? Not only just paying the money, but knowing that they have talent on the up. Uh, pretty much what Rebel's done with the second driver. They bring somebody from within their family. You're not performing. You're out of the way. Bring somebody else. Yeah. Like you said, you have Pato Award there. You have Alex Palou now. They just need to get the super points. Super. They have um, Herta. Herta in the in the the young driver program. So they definitely have the talent in that stable. Sucks for Ricardo. Push Doopy. Last uh, topic in the feelings. Austrian marshals defend delay in putting out signs fire. They're, it's indefensible, but <laughs> the response from the marshals in putting out the fire appeared more sluggish than ideal with signs saying afterwards. I think the whole process was a bit slow. Can you imagine being the driver? Your car's on fire. I think the whole process was a bit slow. Not only is your car on fire, but it's rolling back and you can't get out of it. There was so much fire. I had to really get a move on and jump out independently. Intervention is only allowed after instructions from race control. On the this one hand, is what the marshals said. This obviously increases the safety of drivers and marshals. But on the other hand, you know what? I'm not even going to read this. <laughs> allowed after instructions from race control. The car was on fire, rolling backwards, not, not. and it was only a yellow flag. What are we talking about here? I blame it on the FIA again. What are we talking about here? The, the, whenever there's fire, rule of thumb. Just call a safety car. Like, you know, you'll be fine. The race will be fine. So the marshals are placing, because this is a statement from the marshals, not the FIA. Gotcha. So what they were saying is that the race control, quote unquote, FIA, has to give the signal to them for them to go out to the car. And this is stemming from rules put in place after the Drew Bianchi crash. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, Dubianki went into a tractor that was pulling out a car and unfortunately got himself killed. Um, but I think this goes back to what we were talking about last week and the week before and the week yeah, after before week. that. The FIA is slow to pull the trigger on these things. And then everybody blames the marshals, but it's really the FIA's fault, according to the marshals. That was so like do you remember first he struggled to put the the, chuck. It, the, the, the stopper on. Yeah, the chuck, huh? Like a chuck on the tire. Yeah. And then the only reason why it stopped was because it hit the the, the, the stopper and it rolled into the wall. To the barrier. And then they could put the fire out. But meanwhile, Carlos Sainz is sitting there, can I get out of the car? My car's on fire. I well he it. tried, but the car kept booming, so he had to step on the brake again. Then he I don't know, man. It's just Bro, the freaking Marshall had, they didn't have a gloves on. <laughs> so what was he was having a cold beer, he was having a cigarette. What the hell he was doing when this happened? Oh, that's my cue. Did he even have I obviously have to just rewatch video. Did he even have a, a fire stinger with him in his hands or something? No, he did on one hand. He had <laughs> so the fire stingers in one hand, the gloves I guess under his armpit. <laughs> and then the other the chuck for the wheel on the other hand. <laughs> and a hamburger in the other, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's by himself. Like 
I understand if it's a. Dude, this is crazy. I understand if it was a corner. Let's say for example, it was a corner with, or a slow, you know, like a fast corner with normally things bad don't happen. That, like, you know, it's pretty much you're next to, I guess, one of those lighting posts with the flag, you know, with the color flag, whatever. Somebody's standing there. Mm-hmm. But he was in a runoff area. I'm, at least I'd be thinking that in a runoff area, there's going to be at least four people there. Yeah. Because it's a runoff. Obviously, you're not going to be in the way, but there's going to be somebody with you there. It took him a while for other people to get there. Meanwhile, the car the car is on fire. The car was coming from exploding. Because remember, when when the engine went, the car the, yeah literally exploded. How does how you? It's not a that? car, you know, that just pretty much stop and the fire that's coming from the brakes or something like that. No, he's coming from an engine fire that you don't know what the hell is on fire. I don't know. Tell us how you feel. What? I'm I'm mad. I'm pissed because this is this is we saw a car flip over two races ago. Not just flip over, but slide then. Do like a barrel roll into a catch fence. I, I don't know. I just feel like the the FIA. It's a joke. Like as far as what we're doing, like we obviously everybody dunks on M- Michael Messi at this point, but it's a systemic problem, and they need to fix it before somebody gets seriously hurt. We can't rely on George Russell running out of a, out of a car to go save a driver. You know, like every time. This is just isn't going to be the thing. You know, it's it's got to be people that. Fine, rotate it. Fine, have volunteers. It's got to be people that are trained, number one. People that are trained to go do their thing and are ready to go do their thing at a moment's notice, right? We've seen terrible accidents on the first lap. We saw Grosjean, that, that fiery explosion, on the first lap. Like, don't fall asleep. And look at the marshal. He was he was asleep. He probably just came out of the port of john you know. <laughs> they didn't want to, you know, touch his thing with the glove. Yeah. <laughs> I still got right? sanitizer. The hand sanitizer is still wet. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, in, in the booth, in whatever safety race director, whoever's up there, they can't be eating, you know, it's, uh, I don't even know what they have in Austria, Stroopwafel or whatever. He's got to be. Snizzles? Yeah, maybe. He's got to be focused on the race and calling. I, I just feel like, when there's fire, safety car. Like, the amount of time that they spent under a yellow flag was just ridiculous. And, um, yeah, it's whatever. Um, we should move on to the next topic because I'm going to just keep rambling. <laughs> I think you... I think you... Uh, Every week I, think, I feel the same, I think, same thing. I think yeah. you uh, have uh, expressed our feelings on this very well, Wally. No, and I, I think we know out of the group who's the one that's going to be... The first in line to apply to be part of the safety committee I'm down. for F1. I'm down. Yeah, he has his fire extinguisher already, right? Yep. Now. Yeah, I have it with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's definitely going to have the steam from being up on the blow. <laughs> Fireman Wows. Race preview. <laughs> trivia time. Let's do this. Let's go. French Grand Prix trivia. So, obviously, um, the French Grand Prix or the French itself in racing to have a very long history, so I, I try to. I'm gonna to try to keep it at, at Paul Ricard. This is where, where we are now, where we've been for the past couple of years. You don't need to keep it there, but okay, okay, okay. So, I, my first question is pretty much that name the retired F1 driver, local hero to have won four times at Paul Ricard. Oh, Adam Prost. Yeah. I don't know why that name escaped me, but <laughs> pretty obvious. Can you name the two current drivers to have won at Paul Ricard? Two current drivers? Yeah. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. There you go. Okay. 
That's crazy. So now I'm going to step out of Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. So there are three current drivers that have won the French Grand Prix. Besides Lewis and Max, can you name the other driver to have won you know, the French Grand Prix? I'm going to give you a hint. He's also F1 champion. Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Did he give it up? Yeah. yeah. My bad. I, I was going to say him anyway. Right. It's either him or Vettel. Yeah. What was the track that he won it on? I didn't look into that. Magni Coors. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, <laughs> what knows more than me about the history? He's not supposed to. I mean, no, I, <laughs> I'm still on vacation mode. <laughs> so the, the history of this track, it was built in 1969 by a rich guy that owned a liquor company. Just to keep it more simple. On the, on really? The That's what yeah, it yeah. was? Yeah. And obviously, you have to have a lot of money to have the track named after you and build a track. Uh-huh. Uh, Formula One came back in 2018. So I think it was a five-year deal. I think this is the last year of the deal, even though we didn't rest in 2020. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the last year of the deal. I, it's still in the ups if they're coming back to Paul Ricard or not. It shouldn't. You think it shouldn't? No. Uh, it's, it's tough to say you shouldn't, but what hurts this track, I believe, is also the proximity to Monaco in attendance-wise. Even though they're good, they get... Pretty good attendance, but I think that's what, is that they have to have it somewhere else in France. I the think. race is boring, but I think it's because of the way the track is designed as well. Like for example, this track is mainly used as a testing track. By the way, that's one of the things that was on the, like another highlights of the track, mm-hmm. and you, it has potential to have 167 circuits variations. You know how many how much space you have that's there. A lot. The most successful driver, Schumacher with eight wins, by the way, at the French Grand Prix. Wow. Jeez. Most successful constructors, Ferrari with 17 wins. Wow. Go, baby. Let's do it. Behind him, obviously, behind behind Schumacher is Alan Prost with six. He's won four times at Puerto Rico and two more as a French Grand Prix win. Nice. And behind them, I believe, is uh, is Lewis and, and, and Nigel Mansell. Has you been winning six races in your home? Grand Prix? That's Your cool. home Grand Prix. I think he's, a, he's, he's the one that's a, he's the most successful at that. Yeah. Now, uh, how, Lewis, how many times did he win? Two. At, at Silverstone? The French Grand Prix. Oh, I'm talking about... At Silverstone, eight. Eight. So that was pretty good, too. All right. Well, so what you got? I'm looking stuff up now. I don't know. I, I don't really have anything that I can jump in on right now. History-wise. Gotcha. French Grand Prix has been held in 16 different Circuits. 16. Jesus. Wasn't the first Grand Prix, or not a Formula One Grand Prix, the first Grand Prix ever held in France, I think it was? Nice. Yeah. Hey, Yancy. What's up, baby? That's what I was looking. So, yeah, 2005 is when uh, Alonso won for Renault. Mag- Magnicor in France. He got second the year before, second to Michael Schumacher. And the year after that, in 2006, he was also second. Uh, I don't know who. 2006. Lab record. Battle 2019. Michael Schumacher again. Damn, he's fucking Lab That guy was pretty good, huh? That yeah, he was. Schumacher That's Schumacher again. Pretty, yeah. pretty that decent. one. Pretty yeah. decent guy. Pretty decent. 2018 with a cheating engine. Pretty That's decent. a lab record. <sighs> All right. Uh, Here we go. Predictions. What do you guys think, man? I Out of the last seven races, six have been won from Paul. Let me tell you something. You hear what? Out of the last seven races, six have been won from Paul. 
the excitement for this race here is palpable. Go ahead. Yeah. We're all excited about Extremely. this. Extremely. We love the French Grand Prix. Yeah, okay. Well, the other ones are French territory. So, Ruben, who do you think <laughs> will win this exciting French Grand Prix? Well, we got to do qualifying first, right? Yes. Well, yeah. Who do you think? Qualifying? In this race that we're so much looking forward to. Qualifying, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz third. And that's because I won Wells' prediction of the 16th thing. I think it's over. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's over. That's my question to him. I think it's over. Wells, do you think? <laughs> hey, I'm, I still got my hopes up for the Mercedes beating Ferrari in the constructor. <laughs> he got to get, what is it, 10 pole? 16, he won. He got to get 10 more. Got to go 10 for 10. There's 11 races left. So uh, he's got to go 10, 10 for 11. 11. This is the track to, to do it in. I don't think he's going to get it in this track. I think that I think Max Verstappen is going to dominate. Of course. All weekend. I, I think that. I just, I just went with Leclerc, obviously, to help you. And because Leclerc is a great help. qualifier. Yeah, but I, I think that this is But the just, speed is not going to happen This track is here. just not suited to it. Yeah. The reason why the Red Bull was... Well, the reason why Ferrari was able to dominate at the Red Bull ring, despite it being a high-speed track, was because it was a short track. This track is way too long. You're on the throttle way too long. Yep. That Red Bull... There's a lot of 90s. Straight line speed over a long period of time is way faster than the Ferrari. <laughs> so I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to be a fanboy this time. I'm saying... Verstappen, Paris, Paris, yeah. Leclerc. Leclerc. Yeah, for I'm, a, I'm agreeing with that. I'm agreeing with Verstappen and Perez and Leclerc. Wow. For qualifying, but I'm going Verstappen, Perez, and Russell for the race. Ooh, <laughs> damn. Okay. Ooh, but that's not far. That's not not. It's not far fetched. No, no. I'll, how about this? I'll even one up that. I'll put. Lewis Hamilton in fourth, meaning that the Ferraris no, nowhere. Ferraris are nowhere. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying they're going to be fourth and fifth. They're going to be fifth and sixth. Six. Jeez, at best. Now I think for the race will be Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez. Sainz is not going to be fourth. It will be George Russell Hamilton fourth. Jeez, and be careful. Mercedes, I, I was I was looking at a video on YouTube earlier that Mercedes are bringing, they're making they have a lot of high hopes for this track. Is um, Yancey's career over? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Verstappen, Leclerc second, and Paris third. I think that Leclerc and Max are on another level right now as far as driving. They're so quick, and you see it at every race. Um, there there have also been rumblings out of the Red Bull uh, paddock that the car is, and is now being steered towards Max's driving style. So Perez will probably quote, uh, fall back 
uh, won't be as quick as the Ferraris. So that's why he'll get third, but it'll still be quick enough to get him a podium because this track is just has so many straights. It's insane. <laughs> I'm willing to wager that we will hear a lot about during the race how Ferrari is struggling with their tires. This track actually has very high degradation. Hmm. Yeah, but then the Red Bull would have the same. Sure. But historically, what we've seen during this season is that Ferrari struggles with tire tire deg. Okay. Last last week, we saw the reverse. We saw the Red Bull struggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Should be an exciting race. You think it's gonna be like exciting? We're gonna have battles. No. Or is it gonna be like straightforward? Like the way the race starts, the race. I think it's gonna be a boring race. I think there will be battles in the midfield, but I think it'll be a pretty boring race. Yeah, because we're not gonna get like safety cars. There's too many runoff areas. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like there's nothing really that can mix up the race, unless somebody crashes into each other, which you probably won't see anyway. You never know. Yeah, never know. Watch this be the most exciting, dude. I, it, if it is, scramble. I will. I don't know. I'll buy you guys coffee. Yeah. It is the last year, so might be. Uh, listen, ever since it came on the calendar, it's has been very underwhelming. I think the coolest part of the weekend is the Gorilla Trophy. Um, that's the best part. That's the best part. Yeah. But oh, you don't like the the rainbow look from the top and the shot from the top with all the blues and white and red? No, I I, I can't see it. <laughs> That's all you see. <laughs> I, it's just you know it's, it's very confusing when you watch these cars go around this track. Oh yeah, you can tell we're excited about this. Race. Very, very. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, it's race week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Jump to Start F One. Not much more to say. It's race week. Peace. Later.